Hello, and thank you for listening to the Gospel Boldly podcast, where we confess with St. John that these things are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We're your hosts. I'm Thomas Lemke. And I am Pastor Eric Brown, and we are continuing our our, our newfound trek through the, the book of Judges. Now, I do I do want to give one caveat. Um, just as a heads up, both Thomas and I have nasty colds and stuff like this. This is almost the mucus boldly podcast, if that's not too much information. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so mm-hmm. we're we're gonna try and keep it all in, in order here during during recording, but but I apologize for any bizarre sounds. And but be glad that you cannot catch this cold via the uh the, the podcast, however... It's one of the wonders of technology know. there, that the, the barrier that prevents germs from spreading online. <laughs> if, you do have an antiviral, the, though, just in case, I hope. Listen to the Gospel Week podcast. It's it's healthy and sanitary. <laughs> so, all right. So how are you doing, uh, uh, Thomas, today? Everything good? You're, uh, you're neck of the woods? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for for the new year, I think things have started off just, just fine. I would yeah. always wish to make improvements by the end of the year, but we have time for that. So, all right, all right. So, all right. Well, we are in the middle of a story in the middle of Judges. We are actually in the middle of of Judges chapter three. And, and Thomas, I'm going to let you you get us back up to speed on this because I know this is a, a story you you enjoy uh-huh. because it deals with a left hander. Uh, Quite so. What wh- what is going on? We have our the judge we're talking about now is Ehud. Ehud, okay, so, so. that would be the correct pronunciation. I haven't actually looked at the Hebrew to see. I just, I, I, I say I'm, Ehud, and there I go. I'm faking it. Oh, wonderful. Okay. <laughs> I, have, I didn't, I didn't look at the Hebrew. It's just like, well, see, I, I have a habit of Anglicanizing, Angli- Anglicizing, uh, Hebrew names. As my son's name is Ronan, <laughs> properly pronounced Renan, but uh, that's so I'll just have to do that. Well, see, this is one of the other things I learned modern Hebrew first before biblical Hebrew and mm-hmm. modern Hebrew takes a different pronunciation, which I actually think is better because I mean, I, I'd rather trust the, the Jewish people on how to say things rather than like, I don't know, old dead German scholars. That's fair. So, well, I mean, cause the, the big example is the, the classical biblical pronunciation of David's name is what? David or Dawid? No, that's modern. That's mod- oh, I see. Okay. If you follow the old classical, it should be Daweth. I'm like, no, it's not King Daweth. I have a King David, but that's just gotcha. So, so I, so, so, yeah. Don't, don't trust either of us on pronunciation. Because <laughs> I mean, who knows? So, but, but carry on with the story. Now that we've just completely undercut any legitimacy and and, and expertise that we have on the text, let's go on. And carry <laughs> so far on. as pronunciation goes, the rest of it right, right, remains to be seen. So yeah, Ehud, as I will continue to pronounce it. Um, is the guy who has uh, confronted the Moabite king, Eglon, which I've discovered in the in the intermediate time here means cow, apparently. And uh, this man, as as the cow he was, who had oppressed Israel for 18 years, was very, very fat man. And he had approached him with a secret from God uh, in the form of a sword to the belly, which, when piercing the belly, um, expelled, shall we say, uh, copious amounts of um, uh, post-digestive uh, juices and, and other contents. So now Human we're yep. going to get right. into the fallout of the uh, the incidents and what happens following that particular well, cause step. He, 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 he kills them and then he he locks the doors behind them. All right, yes, and then just that. just walks away. <laughs> so all right. So starting up at verse twenty-four, Thomas, if you would. Excellent. When he had gone, the servants came 
and when they saw that the doors of the roof chamber were locked, they thought, surely he is relieving himself in the closet of a cool chamber. And they waited till they were embarrassed, but when he still did not open the doors of the roof chamber, they took the key and opened them, and there lay their de- uh, lord dead on the floor. Now, did you note they they were sort of right? He he was sort of relieving himself. That was that was one of the things that had been, but but this is one of the. Okay, Thomas, I, I'm just going to ask you. You grew up in Oklahoma, in the heart of the Bible Belt. Does this seem like a detail that is befitting the word of the Lord? I mean, you mentioned the, that the show here was sanitary, and I, I don't find this account, uh, account rather, to be entirely scrubbed clean of uh, references to to uh, things that some people may find improper. So, yeah, from a modern pr- uh, prudish, can I say, perspective, no, I don't necessarily think this is uh, safe for children. <laughs> well, but but no, no. There, there, there is one thing. Now, now, I will put it this way: it, is it kind of humorous? Highly, yeah. I love it. Uh, we should not be laughing at anyone's demise. Well, no, but there is the, this humorous aspect of it. You could, you could, if you were filming this, you could film this in a very comical way. I mean, yeah. you could really ham up the embarrassment of the servants. A lot of good fodder for it, that. Oh yeah, I, I mean, the, the, this is death. Be not proud. This is not a proud mm-hmm. death. And and it sort of they're they're almost getting oh he, he oh quickly Thomas can you think of another passage of scripture where where the idea that someone might be busy locked away uh, relieving himself comes into play? Well, I believe that's what Elijah accused the uh, the pagan gods of being in his own <laughs> what, instance. What. When Elijah is doing the contest against the priest of Baal and, and, and the, the priest of Baal are doing all their machinations to try and get him to, to come on and burn the stuff and he's not doing anything. Oh, maybe he's off on a journey or, or maybe he's indisposed. Well, it's maybe he's relieving himself. Maybe, he, maybe things aren't moving very quickly. He just needs to take a little <laughs> bit more time in his own cool chamber. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, this ends up becoming almost a, a, a happy Jewish dig at other folks. It's the, you can't even go to the bathroom right kind of insult. Mm -mm -mm -mm. So, all right. So any other thoughts that are just on that? So they, they discovered that he's dead and then what comes next? Yes. So verse 26, Ehud escaped while they delayed as he passed beyond the idols and escaped to Syrah. When he arrived, he sounded the trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim. Then the people of Israel went down with him from the hill country and he was their leader. And he said to them, Follow after me, for the Lord has given your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him and seized the, uh, the fords of the Jordan against the Moabites and did not allow anyone to pass over. And they killed at that time about 10,000 of the Moabites, all strong, able-bodied men. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. I'm going to ask a trick question to Thomas, or a tricky question. I have what such is a the name? Good history of dealing with those. <laughs> what is the name of this podcast? The Gospel Boldly Podcast. Oh, excellent! All right. All right. Now, now, why is this a gospelly text? Why is it gospelly? The the Lord preserved Israel against their enemies. See, this is one of the things that that we can forget in the 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 modern era, at least today. We don't necessarily recognize deliverance as being gospel. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. There, there is the point where if you are being oppressed and the Lord throws down and destroys your oppressor, that is a good thing for you. That right. that is that is a, a great working of deliverance. And when you think about it, is this sort of kind of an amazing turn of events that would be unexpected and yet a great, wonderful deliverance? Yeah, I mean, and I think doubly so because, as I understand, the account that we're going to be getting into towards the end of Judges, where uh, the tribe of Benjamin is almost wiped out, mm-hmm. and ostensibly, I believe, did Ehud came from Benjamin, right? I mean, he was left-handed. I believe the, so. Oh yeah, right. Benjamin, I'd left-handed man. Yeah. Um, I I believe according to the chronology, that event where the Benjaminites were actually almost wiped out happened chronologically not long before this account. Right. So yeah, doubly doubly a, a miraculous work of deliverance when you consider that fact. It's a matter of we're, we're oppressed, but the Lord gives a victory that that we couldn't expect. These are really all the, – the thing that comes up with most of the stories of the judges are that the, the victories are unexpected. They don't flow according to the normal way you'd expect deliverance to happen. It's not, mm-hmm. and suddenly we grew in power and then we topple them. Yay! Or No, it, it, it's – Dude walked in and took out their king, and we had him demoralized. And so, so we were able to get to the forge and, and defeat him at the forge and hold him off there. And look at this victory that God has given us. So, so there is that that beautiful look. God, God gave us peace. And again, you note that there is uh, the land had rest for eighty years mm-hmm. for for a few generations. Yeah, I mean for for uh, uh, the, the the celebratory kids got to old age before things went downhill. True that. So. All right, and then there's one more verse at the end of the book, or end of this chapter. All right. So after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. Again, just a little note. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now now we have the, the folks with the Moabites who are on the, the, the east side of Israel. Oh, yeah, you, you still had Shamgar over on dealing with the Philistines over on the west. So, yeah, it's it's... All over it, God's taking care of Israel. That he is delivering his people, and it's nice and simple. And again, it is kind of semi, well, astonishing, because normally if you think of killing 600 Philistines, you don't think using an ox goad. A spear but, would serve fairly well. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. An ox goad is, seems, seems reminiscent, or maybe a prefigurement in this situation, of uh, Samson doing it with what? a uh, jawbone. Jawbone, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Uh, any other thoughts on, on Ehud, the, the great left-handed hero of the Old Testament? <laughs> We've had a lot of unconventional weaponry in this uh, in this chapter, the left-handed sword and the uh, ox goad. What's going on there? Well, well, this is something I think to, to watch out. There, There is the, the, I like unconventional, that this is not the normal way that you'd expect things to happen. These are not your typical heroes. This is not the... the okay, Except your daddy's heroes. <laughs> I'm not following the standard standard uh, hero's journey. Oh, look, now it's the magic sword or lightsaber. And No, sure. no, no. It, 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 God is intervening in history to preserve his people, to preserve the, the people, the promised Messiah. That's fair. All right. Now, quick question as we proceed and, and fix to move on here. Are we going to see at any point any of these judges overlapping, or are they strictly sequential? I'm not sure. Ah, okay. I, 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 um, I, I think you do get some of them 
being a- around roughly the same time. Like, I'm not sure when when Shamgar takes place. Um, I think he might overlap, and it's just the different territories. Because remember, yeah. Israel's a, a fairly large area, and and your Moabites are going to cause problems in one area. Your 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 Philistines are going to cause problems in another area. True. And remember, Israel is not necessarily a unified country. It, it's the twelve tribes have their land, and while one tribe might be going well and faithful, uh, another tribe might be getting into all sorts of trouble. So it it, it sort of I, I do think there can be some overlap. Yes, yeah, reasonable I, to me. I, I have not studied the chronology of it in full great detail, and I'm sure there's competing ones. But so, but yeah, I, I think here we just had an example of east and west, and I believe I will take that. Well, cool. All right. All right. Well, break time. Uh, if you're if you're amenable to that, if we have a couple seconds left. If you have any final parting thoughts before we jump back in for the uh, backwards life here in a minute. No, let's just read one verse of the chapter and then stop. Yeah, we can break. (laughs) Okay. All right. Have a good one, folks. And we are back on the Gospel Bowl podcast, and we're to the part of the show that we call The Backwards Life, where uh, we'll, we'll take a common Christian pithy phrase or idea, and we'll try and come at it from a, a slightly different angle and see what we can get to and learn from it. So, uh, Thomas, what do we have today on the backwards life? All right. This one is is far from a phrase and more of a general, um, I guess, cultural zeitgeist that has come into the Christian circles as well. And that is the subject of uh, the, the New Year and the New Year's resolution in particular. I, I had to actually decide which way I would go because part of me wanted to ask you, and, and if you care to comment, you can, about the whole uh, aspect of Christians saying, I claim this year in the name of Jesus and doing the whole, you know, oh, word of faith oh. stuff. It's actually funny. I, a friend of mine had a, a post saying something to that effect. I claim this year, you know, I, I yeah, claim, claim this year full of blessings in the name of Jesus Christ. The next post down was Chris Roseborough saying, are you ready for people to claim this year and <laughs> blessings? And anyway... And there's my son claiming that I've abandoned him far from blessings, but um, be that as it may, what I will ask you about, if you don't care to comment on the second, which I wouldn't blame you, is again, the aspect of, of the, the New Year's resolution and how that fits or doesn't in the Christian life and walk. <clears throat> well, he- here's the thing. Uh, first, just the idea of claiming it. Oh, come on, just receive things as gift. You don't... <laughs> Jesus is not like the publisher's clearinghouse where you have to like claim the 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 little mailing they send you and and then you get the pro- no 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 he gives <laughs> must gifts. be present to win <laughs> right yeah no he, he he's not a bingo folks this this is this it's not a raffle um on the whole context of New Year's resolutions um. What I'll say is this. I, I, I've stopped making resolutions by and large. I mean, the, the new year is a, a time of reflection. I mean, I, I've reflected, well, yeah, it'd probably be good to start getting into better shape. Well, because, I mean, hey, it's a, a time of change. And whenever there's a time of change or something new, it can be a time of reflection. And that can be good. The, mm-hmm. the only problem I have with resolutions is how... Ha- how do how does a resolution sound? Thomas, give me a fake or a sample resolution. Okay, sample. Uh, I resolve this year to uh, eat better. 
I resolve, or I will, or I'm going to do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who's in charge of all that then? Well, me, clearly. Well, so, so it's, I'm going to do this, and it's all going to be by the power of my will, and I'm going to control how the future is going to plan out. And and what that does is that reminds me of the the whole thing from from James where where James says, uh, you know, don't say uh, next year I'm going to go to the city, but rather no, if the Lord wills, this is what we want to do. Mm-hmm. It can become a giant ego trip, and and especially what's sad is it becomes an ego trip of of unreal expectations. I am going to go to the gym every day this year. Well, you know, sometimes that happens, and and. Most of the time it doesn't. So we just end up setting ourselves unrealistic goals that aren't really easily accomplishable and yet claiming everything's going to be, I'm going to do this. Do you know what's actually great with this? There was an episode of Phineas and Ferb. Love that show. Where they do the the New Year's Eve special and and Doofenshmirtz, the, the villain, has the the resolutionator where he can make everyone's resolution be what he wants it to be. So the ball drops and Perry lets him, actually stops fighting. Perry the platypus just lets him go on and and everyone makes their resolution. I will obey Heinz Doofenshmirtz as my leader this year. It's like, all right, let's go take City Hall, and they all are like, what, what what's going on? It's like. Don't you know no one follows their newer year's resolution? <laughs> oh, okay. well, so I mean, it's one of the things where where it can become almost a a a hoop that you jump through that you don't do, almost a a, a, a virtue signaling. Oh yes, I made my good resolution, and then we make a resolution because they sound good rather than it, it's what we actually should be doing or want to be doing or in a manageable fashion. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. It, it, it's one of the things where, you know, it, it, if you want to make an improvement in your life and, and, and try to develop better habits, Hey, more power to you. God grant it. But, but I don't think just because it's January of a new calendar year that suddenly that's going to magically happen. So yeah, just, just, Keep some humility with with trying to make changes in your life rather than bold and brash. It's a new year. It's a new me. Yeah. And then, yeah so, uh, so does that does that kind of work? Definitely. Okay. All right. Well, in this year, we're gonna make sure that we make the Gospel Boldly podcast extra gospely or something. Now let's Number go one back on to iTunes. the Old Come on now. <laughs> in, in, in what category? <laughs> Most unsubscribed. I don't know. <laughs> oh, 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 self-deprecation. All right. Well, well, let's go on and get back into Judges and see what Deborah resolved to do in her new year. All right. <laughs> Good segue. And the people of Israel, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. Actually, pause right there. Mm-hmm. Um how often with New Year's resolutions? Does, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be good, and then again they did what they normally do because that's what they do. Yeah. Yep, kind of the lowest common denominator. It's it's I compare human beings to valence electrons. We always strive towards the lowest possible state of energy. <laughs> that's chemistry, folks. Uh-huh. Um, it, it it is a matter of of so often this year i'm going to stop sinning no you aren't you're 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 gonna remain a sinner until you are risen from the dead 
strive against it. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. But, but, yes. Years are often typical. All right, continue on. All righty. Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> and the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Hashereth uh, Hagoyim. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Now, Deborah... Okay. Oh, okay, I, I, I do want to note that. No, no, sure. he, he is the king of what? Herosheth uh, uh, Hagoyim. I get the well, second part without even looking at the Hebrew. That one, well, phonetically, I hear you. I hear that one. Right. Well, the 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 point is, um, uh, he, he is referred to as the the king of Cana. So again, this oh, is hearkening back to that whole. Yeah, you didn't quite clear out Cana like you ought to, and so it, it, it's again just the lasting mixing of of false gods and all that and all that's coming on in and and again it's coming back to bite you mm-hmm. so you got 20 years of cruelty a generation's worth of cruelty so now continue on sure now deborah a prophetess the wife of lapidoth was judging israel at that time she used to sit under the palm of deborah between ramah and bethel in the hill country of ephraim and the people of israel came up to her for judgment she sent out and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kedesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking ten thousand of the people from Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Now, note something with this conversation. Has not the Lord said da 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 da? Meaning, he's already heard this before. And mm-hmm. she's like, all right, wh- wh- why are you dithering? Why, why aren't you? you? You know your marching orders. Now go fulfill them. God said he's going to give you a victory. Now go. All right? Fair so, enough. and yet, he has to be told a second time. Why? Well, let's find out. Barak said to her, uh, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, okay. Oh, oh, okay, just, just just pause that. Certainly. Uh, did God say to you, oh, 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 kind Barak, that that y- you can go, but only if Deborah comes with you? No, he said, go and do it. What he is doing is he is adding conditions upon the things, upon the word of the Lord. He, he's trying to tailor it to suit his needs or, or his wants rather than just saying, oh, as the Lord has said, so it will be. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, c- contrast this with, uh, with Mary. You have Gabriel show up and say, ah, oh, blessed are you. The Lord is with you. You found favor. Uh, you're going to see. Okay, but only if, if, uh, if, if he gets to have a, a, a little sister later on. No, 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 you don't put condition. Only if you ride along on my shoulder, so we're going to say, oh, good, Mary's not a troll. No, no, that doesn't work. God says this is what's going to happen. And and you say, yes. Only problem is Barack's hedging his bets. Mm -hmm. And and why would you, now, now let's think about this. Why would you want Deborah to come along? Well, on, on a positive side and a negative side. Yeah, well, it, it does state that she's a prophetess in addition to a, a judge. So, right. 
one could say, well, the additional authority from from Deborah as a judge would help rally the troops, blah, 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 but probably more in the she's a prophetess and we need God's divine favor in a physical presence there. On, on the one hand, I want extra happy divine goodness. That, wanting that's not necessarily a bad thing. But what's the downside to what, 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 what's the, that, that's a positive reason why you have Deborah come on. What's the, the negative reason? Could it be a sort of like, um, a, a willing hostage situation in a sense of like, well, if we get wiped out in this particular battle, then Deborah does too. So God, you better darn well keep your word. Well, that, that I was thinking also along the lines that if things do go badly, <laughs> not my fault. <laughs> She's the one. So, yeah, plausible so, deniability could be a so, play. <laughs> so you do have a lot of covering your bases. This is not a matter of of Barack saying, yes, Lord, I'll go do it. it, mm-hmm. it it's the, the hedging of the bets. That's and right. what is Deborah's reaction to the hedging of the bets? Uh, she says the following. Um, and she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And 10,000 men went up at his heels, and Deborah went up with him. All right, I'll, I'll give you what you want, but but the story is not going to be about Barak the great hero anymore. It's going to be about the gals. So, so <laughs> we've now entered the, the part of Judges, which is lovingly known as, as I'm now calling it, ladies' time. Okay. <laughs> and so, so we're getting this wonderful little section where it's going to be, oh, great female heroes of 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 the book of Judges, and why? Well, dude, just do your job. Go, go, do your job, Barack. If you did your job, you'd get all this fame and glory. You'd have great round. Now you get to be the story of, yeah. And then there's Barack who who wanted to hide behind Dipper skirts. So I mean, and it's totally understandable. I mean, I will give Barack some sympathy here because I mean. Again, this is, it's been 20 years where you've been oppressed and it, it is scary and frightening and all that. But no, just, just follow the word of the Lord, dude. All right. Just follow the Lord of the word. So that's so simple and we all do it all the time. Just but yet, do it. Even, it's Nike, man. Even though even Nike's the, a pagan god. <laughs> even though he doesn't want to just simply listen, the Lord doesn't cut him off. No, the Lord said you're going to have victory. Now, it's not going to resound to you as well as you might like, but no, no, God remains true to his word, even in spite of, of Barak's hesitation and fear. So, mm, that's oh, good. That, that makes sense? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, well okay, J- just do verse uh, 11 very quickly, and then we'll, we'll get to the rest after the break. All right. Now, Heber, the Kenite, had separated from the Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far away as the oak of Zanaim, sure, which is near Kadesh. So just as a note, you've got everyone assembling near Kadesh, but we do have this random Kenite who's just kind of hanging out there. So so you've got the the guy who's away from his people, but he's not with the the, the Israelites, but but he's just kind of hanging out there like a sore thumb. So it's it's... Uh, a non-local guy in the area who who might be a friendly face down the way, perhaps, possibly. We'll see, we'll see. All right, let's go to break. Excellent.
And we're back on the Gospel Boldly Podcast, and we are carrying on with the story of Deborah and Barack. And so when last we met, Barack has finally assembled the army, although he's bringing Deborah along with him. They're, they're at uh, Kadesh, and they're getting ready to attack Sisera, the, the enemy general. Carry on. Okay. Verse 12, when Sisera had told, was told that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera called out all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the men who were with him, from uh, Herosheth Hagoyim to the river Kishon. And Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. And Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Herosheth Hagoyim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. Now, a few things coming up here. Um, we don't necessarily think of chariots with as much fear as we might want to. What is a chariot, Thomas, in, in ancient warfare? It is a device uh, on wheels affixed to the back of a horse or team of horses, pulling warrior, a warrior, or more likely multiple warriors, one to man the, uh, the steeds and one to man the spear and probably the bow. And these were instruments of complete destruction and death because you could have like spikes attached to them. You could run people over. You could spear people from them. You were pretty much going too fast for anybody really to attack you. You're not on horseback. So while the horses may or may not be vulnerable, you're not on the horse. So they're you tanks. Can shoot people. They're, they're tanks, tank, yeah. I mean, if you want to think, th- to think of it in modern parlance, it's like a bunch of ta- – or, or at least – or at least people in pickup trucks with shotguns, right? In, in, uh, in the sense that 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 you can't outrun them; they can run you over, and even if they don't run you over, they they can fire at you from a distance. So, right. so generally, nine hundred chariots against ten thousand foot—that would go poorly for the foot. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, they come down out of the mountain, which again is a better place to be if you're foot attacking chariots. And, and God gives them this great victory, and then Sister does something. The battle starts to go poorly for him. And what does he do? He abandons the chariots. Now, Thomas, just strategically thinking, if you were needing to retreat, would you generally want to abandon the chariots? Assuming that your chariot is functional, you may have a small team of others with you and the terrain is favorable for at least retreating because you got there somehow. So maybe beat a path back the way you came. It'd be highly, highly stupid to abandon that in favor of any other option. So, Fleeing on foot so, is stupid. Sister of panics. I mean, this is this is bad. Now, granted, we see that it does go poorly for for the rest of his army. They they get run down, and and yeah, you, you, you come to things where terrain becomes impassable, and then you ha- they they fall upon you. But but Sister abandons his army and runs away on foot. This is cowardly this mm-hmm. is this is this is reprehensible behavior and, and it is a matter of i'm i'm bailing you guys go that way i'm gonna go this way and hopefully they all follow you <laughs> and, and, and they do all to their destruction but but sister thinks he's gonna get away brave sir robin ran away bravely ran away <laughs> so all right Let, let's and any other thoughts there no no that passage no that's fine. all right let's let's carry on all right verse 17 but Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenonite, or Kenite, rather. 
For there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. Then he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the opening of the tent, and if any man comes and asks you, Is anyone here? Say, No. So, now, now, no, again, what do you basically have the guy doing? You have the guy crawling into a gal's tent and hiding under a rug. This is, there's a lot of the hiding behind the skirt thing going well, on right th- now. This is totally, th- this This is not bras and masculinity's finest hour. <laughs> I, I mean, this, this is, this is embarrassing. This is not how a mighty warrior goes out. Because, again, what? Think about, too, the culture of the time. Generally, you didn't hang out with the women in their tents anyway. That was not the – that, that's where the little kids were. When you were a man, you got away from the women's tents. Secondly, he hides her. What does she bring him? She brings some milk. Oh, have some little milk, you nice little <laughs> kid here, hide. Okay, and if anyone shows up, don't tell them I'm here. I, I mean, it, it, it's utterly cowardly. Can Cicera come out to play? Tell him I'm not home. I'm not home. I don't. I, I don't want to go to school today. I mean, it. it, it the, 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 there's not a. There, there's a reason not many people get named Cicera today. It, I suppose. It's not exactly a, a bold, bra, brash name. So, so it, again, this is very comedic. I mean, it, you. If you want to do this, do judges as a movie and 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 ham up stuff. This would be something you could ham on up. You could ham this scene greatly and he's cowering fear all right i expect so, we don't get the term sissy from cicera but phonetically it, it is quite funny it, it, it would work in english i don't know if it would work in other languages so, yeah all right all righty so 21 but jael the wife of heber took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand then she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness so he died <laughs> okay, I love that. Now, note. now this leads to one of the the, the my, my favorite memories from seminary. When I'm taking introductory Hebrew, biblical Hebrew, it gives the verb, and I can't remember the verb because I mean, the, but but the verb is to peg a tent. Okay, it, it's the verb for to peg, and, and and it notes it means to peg a tent, to put up a tent, to kill someone. Hmm. Well. It becomes a euphemism to kill someone because of this story. Because how does she kill him? He's laying down under, and she just kind of walks up very quietly and starts driving a tent peg through his that skull. That is now, awesome. Now, think about this. Of of the great, we, we've seen the Lord defeat his enemies, the people mm-hmm. oppressing his people in multiple ways. On the one hand, we get assassin sneaking up to you and stabbing you with the left hand, which is really kind of just brazen and tricky. Mm-hmm. That, that's embarrassing. No, this is even more embarrassing. You're hiding under a sheet. And, and now generally in terms of weaponry, tent pigs are not normal weapons. Nor Normally, if you think I'm going to grab, you have my axe and you have my shield and you have my <laughs> tent pig. No, it doesn't work that way because it, it's a unique weapon where it doesn't normally work that way. You'd have to sneak on up and, and think about your, your positioning, lining up, whack. Yeah. It could have easily been stopped, even paying any slight attention, but no, he's had some warm milk. He's under his blankets and he goes to bed and... <laughs> And jail takes him out. Boom. 
So yeah, there there you go. Here's your 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 fame and history. You're the guy who ran away and got killed by the gal in her tent when she drove the tent peg through your head. Mm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Not not a not not exactly a blaze of glory. No. <clears throat> no, so. no, no. All right. Well, let, let, let's carry on and get to the rest of the chapter. Finish right. it off. 22. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went to meet him and said to him, Come, I will show you the man whom you are seeking. So he went into her tent, and there lay Sisera dead, with the tent peg in his temple. Again, you you could do this. Where is he? I'm looking for him. Okay, he went this way, almost like uh, like uh, the the dogs from from the old uh, Looney Tunes commercial. Where is he? Where is sniffing? Oh, look! I found him. Well, no, no, no. C- come on in, guy. I, I I did your job for you, brave general. Didn't notice the guy taking off. All right. So no, no. Here he is. Oh, and see, I, I've kept him in place so he can't get away from me this time. <laughs> He, he's not going to be able to outrun me this time. So it, it could well be said. All right. So. All right. And then we get the next sentence, which really does get a good theological point. So I want to, I want to bring that up. So. Okay. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan before the people of Israel and the hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan until they destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. Now note again, this is, this is a God thing. God subdues them. He, he takes out their general, their armies. And after that, it's, it, yeah, Israel is ready to uh, take back what should have been, excuse me, take back what should have been theirs. That, that they're able to go against the, the, the workings of the king and good. So, all right, we've got a few minutes left. But mm-hmm. the question is, what, what comes next in, in Judges is the Song of Deborah which is a, a nice chapter of poetry. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I'd like to start with that next time. Fair enough. So so, so in, in the time we have left, what are your thoughts so far, having been through the first four chapters of Judges? I mean, anything stand out to you about the, the book or anything like that? Well, we're already beginning to see kind of this repeated refrain as, as we were prepped for at the beginning. Which is, and Israel fell away, and, and then God raised up a judge. Hey, most merciful redeemer, he has placed a individual in your midst to save you from the hands of your enemies, which is accomplished, and depending on, you know, whatever is going on, span of time happens, and, and then falling away again. So, the, um, I, I guess we could say the coming to pass of the anticipated events, where the turn, turn, turn cycle perpetuates is interesting to me. Right. In, in, in the seeing of it play out. One of the things that is interesting for me is so often we, we hear the, oh, if only God would work today in the mighty ways that he had done in the past, everything would be roses. Well, it, normally I would say, no, it won't. It won't change anything. Okay, no, I'll, I'll even grant you, it might be roses for a generation. And then that would be it. I, I mean... We we have this idea of of we're we're gonna get the great perfect kingdom where everyone's gonna be great and Christian and we're gonna have this great flowering and woohoo it's all gonna be sunshine and daisies. And, well, no, that, that's not the way it works in the old Testament. Even when you have these mighty awesome things of God going on, mm-hmm. people still fall away, and it's one of the things that can be very frustrating for the uh, the faithful to deal with. But there, there's that that blunt reality that a lot of times people just don't care. 
True enough. Now you mentioned the faithful, which leads me to, I guess, a question for you, which is we see here in the course of, you know, judges, one, maybe two people in a generation having their names recorded and remembered among the people of God. Mm-hmm. You might have a couple extra in some generations, like we'll get Ruth and Boaz coming up in, in the course of Judges. They intermix and all that. But on average, one or two people per generation with their names memorialized right. for for posterity. But there must have been many, many faithful at the time. What implications should we draw for that from that? in our modern age where everybody wants to be a YouTube celebrity, everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame, everybody thinks that unless I have 500 to 5,000 Facebook followers, I'm not worthwhile. One of the things, and it comes up later on especially, is the idea of a remnant, that God will always preserve for himself a a, a remnant. My my favorite part of the scriptures with that is when uh, uh, Elijah is complaining. He's just defeated, or God has defeated the prophets of Baal, Mm-hmm. And, and it should be the high point of, uh, it, it really is the great, awesome, that's cool. Right. And yet the response is, Queen Jezebel says, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> right. And he runs to the hill. So it's a beautiful contrast because what should be the the great glory ends up becoming the runaway terror. And, <laughs> and, and he goes into the, the cave and waits for God and God comes in and complains and says, I alone am left. I'm all that's it. I, I'm alone. And God says, no, 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 there's still 7,000 who haven't bent the knee. Now, on the one hand, 7,000 is a nice number. On the other hand, considering the population of, of, of Israel and such should be, oh, maybe a million or so, two, that, that type of number, mm-hmm. it's a small segment. But again, this is one of the things God preserves for himself a remnant. And the simple fact is sometimes you're of the generation where everyone's outwardly Christian and it's the cool thing to be, and then there are times where it's a time to be a remnant. And you know what? That's not in our control. The Holy Spirit works when and where he wills. And and who knows what the church in the U.S. will look like in 2050. I don't. But if we're a remnant, we're a remnant. If we're part of a, a great and, and giant throng, so be it. That's in God's hands. But as for you, Christ Jesus has died for you. You are forgiven. That, that's the reality that should should dominate and focus uh, and shape your life, irregardless of whether or not the people next to you recognize it or applaud you for it. So. Sounds like a very uh, Johannine ending type of thought on that yeah. note. <laughs> hey, it works. All right. So uh, try not to run away or peg anyone to with a tent peg this week, Thomas. I Sometimes my hand slips, man. That's all I'm saying. Jail, the patron saint of Cabela's. <laughs> so, no, I, I do like this story because it is just, it, it's a funny story. It's, yeah, he ran away and got pegged by a tent. There you go. Ah, yeah, sometimes the, the heroic stories don't quite fall out as heroic as they could have. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. So it's over, and again, you fell asleep in the woman's tent. There we go. Have a great one, everybody. See you later. Now we can blow our nose in peace.